All right, everybody. Hey, welcome to New Life today. My name is Jeff. I'm one of the pastors on staff. Um, I hope you guys are uh, awake. Hope you're feeling good today. Hope you're energized. I hope that you're excited to be here and you're not in one of those religious funks like, oh, i got to give 30 minutes or an hour to church today. I hope that's not you today, okay? Uh, if that is you, then slap your face and remind yourself, God's alive, He loves you, and He's excited about you worshiping Him, okay? Uh, don't have to physically slap your face. That would be somewhat embarrassing. But you got my point. Uh, over the next three weeks, we are going to be going through the, um, the second chapter in the book of Acts. So if you have a Bible today, I want to encourage you to open that up for me. Um, it goes in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and then Acts. So it would be the fifth book in the New Testament. So if you're not sure where that is, just flip through a few pages and you can land there. Over, the, over this series of three weeks, we're going to be looking at the word encounter. And it's going to all be focused around this encounter, this experience that takes place. Um, in week one, we're going to be looking at encountering the Holy Spirit. In week two, we're going to look at encountering other believers. And in week three, we're going to be looking at encountering the community. Now, you might ask yourself, why would we do this? What, what's the purpose of this kind of series? The purpose of this series really boils down to this one key factor. When Jesus left uh, the earth and he left his disciples, he, he encouraged them to, to go and pursue the Holy Spirit. And in pursuing the Holy Spirit, there was a chain reaction that took place. And in the second chapter of Acts, we see what made the early church so successful. We see what made the early church believers grow as individuals. And we also see what caused the corporate church to grow or the congregation to grow. We, we've got a formula, if you will, in the beginning of the book of Acts in chapter 2 that gives us three critical encounters that you and me have to be pursuing, have to be running after. We must be seeking if we personally want to be growing in our faith and we want to see the kingdom of God grow here in Kearney, Nebraska through, uh, through new life. So encounter. Why the word encounter? An encounter literally means to come face to face with something unexpectedly. Have you had an encounter lately? Something that was unexpected, but you came face to face with it. It could have been at work all of a sudden. All the machinery, it all worked good until Wednesday morning. And you came in and you wanted to get something done and you encountered a broken printer, right? There's nothing more frustrating than a broken printer, you know, five minutes before your meeting and you need the documents. That's frustrating. Maybe you encountered uh, something else. You were walking through the mall or you were at Walmart where all good Christian people run into one another. And you came around aisle two, you know, right towards the frozen stuff and boom, you came around the aisle and wham, right in front of you you encountered the person that you really didn't want to talk to that week. So maybe those kinds of things have happened to you. I've had a number of unexpected face-to-face moments when you're just in the moment and you have to respond to it and you have to know what to do, such as the very first time I got a speeding ticket. There's nothing like that gut feeling, right, when you look into your rearview mirror and all you see are those flashing lights, especially when it's seven days after you got your driver's license. There's nothing quite like that. Now, just so that you're aware, that's the only speeding ticket this guy has ever had in his entire life. That's a miracle, though, because it's not the only time I've been pulled over. So I just want to say right now publicly to all those uh, police officers that are watching, thank you. God bless you. Um, So, yes, the only speeding ticket I got seven days after I had my license. Uh, There's that feeling of him walking up to your car you know, your, your heart is pounding. You don't know what's going to happen. 
You're both thinking, what is this guy going to do to you? And then what is dad going to do to me when I get home? You've got mixed emotions going on. That encounter unexpectedly. Um, I remember the first earthquake experience. Who, who's ever been, who's ever felt an, an actual earthquake? Like a real one. Okay. okay, good. We have a few people. I was in Alaska. I was on my couch, which sat up against this wall. Um, and I'm, I'm laying on the couch. It's a Sunday afternoon. And all of a sudden, this jolt hits the house. Bam! Like, a, like someone came through the basement and with a sledgehammer, boom, hit the wall. And the couch tipped like this. And I remember catching myself on the ground as the couch slammed back against the wall. A split second later, the whole house just began to, you know, all the neighbors are out in the streets. I'm just kind of waking up like, what in the world was that? But I remember that and that first encounter of that earthquake. Wow, it, it, it shook me. It was unexpected. You didn't know it was coming and you had to react to it. It changes your life when you encounter things. I also remember another encounter that changed my life. I remember the moment that I was sitting up in a balcony about right over on this section, and after the service, I got up, and I walked into the aisleway uh, to exit, and I ran into my wife. Yeah, and I encountered Kim at that moment, um, and my life has never been the same. But these random encounters that take place that are unexpected, these face-to-face moments that happen in our lives, God has planned a series of encounters for you. Through the power of his Holy Spirit, he wants to encounter you. Many times those face-to-face moments with God are unexpected. You don't know that they're coming. You weren't looking for them necessarily at times. You're just going about your everyday, ordinary lives, and then all of a sudden, boom, you encounter God. You encounter God through his word. You encounter God through prayer. You encounter God when you're out on the streets and, you know, you're at a workplace and All of a sudden, someone hurting is standing in front of you. You encounter God, and God has these things planned for you, and they're powerful, life-transforming moments. All too often, though, we are caught up in the busyness of our lives. We're walking through the pace of life that we, we live in with all of its amenities, and God is wanting to have these encounters with us daily, and we're missing them all the time. And they're things that God wants to do in our lives that will grow us as individuals, and they'll grow His church as well. God has planned these, and throughout the Bible you see these encounters, such as Moses, as he's walking in the desert. He's leading the people through the desert, feeling as if, you know, when am I ever going to get out of this? And then all of a sudden, he comes to this moment where this bush is burning, it's on fire. And there he is. He's all all of a sudden, in in the back part of the desert, he comes face to face in an encounter with God. And his life is transformed, and it's never the same again. You have other moments like Saul, who later becomes Paul, who is a Pharisee. He's one of the religious leaders. And he, in the book of Acts, is on a road to Damascus riding his horse, going to go to Damascus to persecute Christians, possibly even kill some, if that's what it warrants. And at that moment, bam, he encounters the, the, the power of God. God knocks him off the horse and blinds his eyes and transforms his life for eternity. An encounter with God, unexpected, came face to face, and his life was never the same again. There's other people, like the woman who's caught in adultery. And the Pharisees drag her out into the streets. And they're wanting to, you know, stone her to death and to put her down. And who comes around the corner? Bam, the woman caught caught in adultery encounters Jesus. And Jesus shows great grace to her. And she gets up and she walks away with all of her accusers gone. And in Acts chapter 8, you have another man named Philip 
one of Christ's followers, who now that Christ has ascended into heaven is carrying on the message of Christ, carrying on the message of the kingdom. And Philip one day awakes to this experience, this encounter of the Holy Spirit telling him to go to a certain place. And when he gets there, the Holy Spirit encounters him again and says, go close to this man. And then the Holy Spirit tells him, ask the man a question. Do you know what you're reading? Then the Holy Spirit tells him another encounter. Get inside of the chariot with this man and ride with him. And then the Holy Spirit tells him another encounter. Tell this man about who Jesus is. And along the way, all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit says to him, yes, it's okay. Baptize that man in water. That man was an Ethiopian who was close to the queen. And he was carrying the the message of Christ even back to his own country as he had gone to Jerusalem to worship. All throughout the Bible, men and women have been encountering God unexpectedly face to face. This same encounter of the Holy Spirit is for you and me today. It comes through the power of the Holy Spirit. A lot of our attention many times when we preach or when we talk in today's church is about Christ. And rightly so. Christ is the one who gave his life on the cross. Christ is the one who's no longer on the cross. In fact, if you want to wear the most powerful religious symbol around your neck, it's not a cross. It really should be an empty tomb. That's what you should wear. We should have shirts without crosses. We should have shirts with empty tombs. Because it's the empty tomb that proclaims the power of the gospel message. Christ gave his life on that cross. And we talk about him, and rightly so, and I'm going to continue to preach Jesus and him crucified. Because I'm in love with Christ. And my life... My life has been transformed because of what Jesus did. But Jesus went on to tell us about the Holy Spirit and why we should be looking for an encounter of the Holy Spirit. Check out what Jesus said in John chapter 16, verse 7. He says this, It's best for you that I, being Jesus, that I go away. Because if I don't, then the Advocate or the Holy Spirit, He won't come. But if I do go away, then I will send Him to you. Jesus, the one who gave His life on the cross, rose again from the dead, sits at the right hand of the Father, said to you and me, it's better that I go, that you would encounter the Holy Spirit, that he would come. God intentionally has sent the Holy Spirit so that you and me would encounter him daily. My question to you is this, basically. To determine whether this message is going to be relevant to you today, to determine whether you should listen to any of the words I say from this moment on, To determine whether you need to just go and eat lunch early today, you need to ask yourself one question. Do I encounter the Holy Spirit daily? Could I tell of my encounters of the Holy Spirit on a daily basis? Because if you're like many Christians, you would be sitting here today going, no, I, I don't know that I would say, Jeff, I encounter the Holy Spirit daily. Then good. You're in the right place. I want to help us understand What do we need to do to prepare ourselves? Where do we need to be positioning ourselves so that encounters with the Holy Spirit can change our lives and it can grow our church? It can grow the kingdom. What do we have to be doing to position ourselves to encounter the Holy Spirit? And it starts with a very, very profound statement. Ready? Write this down in your notes. Seek the Holy Spirit. (laughs) Sometimes, guys... It's the most simple things that we make the most complex. Am I right? We come up with the simple plans, and over the years, they become more complex. It all starts with seeking the Holy Spirit. Jesus, in his final words to his disciples, right before he ascends to heaven. I mean, these are his final words. 
he says this to his disciples as some of those in Acts chapter 1, verse 4. Look what he says. While he, Jesus, while he was still with them, he said, don't leave Jerusalem yet. Wait here for the Father to give you the Holy Spirit, just as I told you that he has promised to do. He tells them to do something that's profound. And I want to make sure you understand the meaning of this word. He tells them to do this. He tells them to wait. And many times when we tell each other, hey, wait, wait here. I'm going to go do something. We use the word many times to say, yeah, just that. You stay right here. I'm going to go do something. I'm going to be right back. My expectation is that you haven't moved. Wait here. That is a definition of the word. That's not what Jesus meant. Jesus did not mean, hey, guys, hang out like you're at a beach resort. Just chill out. Don't do anything. Just wait, and then the Holy Spirit's going to come. That's not what it was. In fact, it was just the opposite. It's that type of, I'm going to meet you at the, at the busiest spot in Kearney, at the busiest moment in Kearney. I'm going to meet you. Let's, just, let's picture this, all right? We got a massive snowstorm that's getting ready to come in. It's being predicted, right? It's going to happen. It's going to happen, and it's going to happen tonight. What's going to be the busiest place in Kearney? Okay, that's where I want to meet you. I want to meet you right there, and I want to meet you tonight at 6 o'clock. But I don't tell you where I want to meet you. I just tell you, let's meet at Walmart at 6 o'clock, and let's get all the stuff that we need to survive the storm. If I tell you to meet me there, what are you, what are you going to do? Are you just, are you just going to stand in front, front of which doors? Which doors am I going to come in? Where are you going to find me at in the store? You know, but I don't want you to leave there. Don't leave because you know I'm coming. So you need to seek for me and seek for me with an anticipation, knowing that I promised you I would be there. That definition of meeting me at a place, not knowing where you're going to find me, but you're willing to seek for me until you find me in the store because you're not going to leave knowing that I promised to be there, that's what it means to wait. It means to wait by seeking with an anticipation, knowing that God's going to show up in a powerful way. That's what Jesus was telling his disciples. Wait, but be active in your waiting. Seek me with all of your heart, with an anticipation in your heart, with an expectation that something powerful is going to take place. That's why we read scriptures like Jeremiah 29, 13, where it says this, you will seek me and you will find me, meaning God. God says, you'll seek me. And you'll find God when you seek God with all of your heart. That's what it means to wait. To seek God with all of your heart. Waiting for an encounter, a face-to-face moment where God shows up in a powerful way. And then you know that's God. The disciples were not surprised when the Holy Spirit showed up to them. Because they had been waiting with an anticipation. This kind of waiting, though, requires an intentional pursuit. And it requires patience. It also requires a level of tenacity. It's, it's kind of like if you've got a college degree or if you've already moved into retirement, you're going to understand what I'm talking about when I mean waiting. You went to college, right, and you pursued that degree. You pursued it with an intentional pursuit. You knew what you were going after. You knew the classes you had to take. Yes, sure, some of those classes you had to take two or three times, got it. Sure, the degree didn't happen at the time you wanted to. Some of you were 10 years. Some of you were three-year degree people. We don't have to stand up and declare those today. You got the degree. Good for you. 
But you had to intentionally pursue that. But you were waiting for the degree. You couldn't walk around and say, I have the degree, until you pursued it and, and accomplished it. You were waiting for that degree to come. You were also being patient about it. Some of you, like I said, had to be patient longer than others. But you also had to have a level of tenacity that you pushed through those classes that were difficult, that you didn't understand. You were doing all that, waiting one day to stand up on a podium, have someone call your name, and put inside of your hands that degree. If you've gone on to retirement and you've moved into a retired-type state, then you know what it took to save money. That's a difficult thing to do. It has to be very intentional. You start when you're younger than me. You're patient about it while the count grows and it doesn't have very many zeros behind it. And you're wondering to yourself, will I ever have enough? And your tenacity kicks in. You go, I'm not going to buy that new car. I'm going to save more money. And some of you are at a stage where it's difficult and you're going, I don't know if we've got enough money to retire. And others of you, you've crossed the line and you've moved into a state of retirement. But you understood that you were waiting for this moment to come, but you were doing something very active to get there. That's what Jesus wants you and me to do when he's talking about seeking him. It's not just sitting around waiting for God to do something. It's about you being very proactive in intentionally pursuing him, being patient for God to do his work in your life, and to have a tenacity in you that just says, I want to encounter my God. I want to encounter him. He is the Holy Spirit. Yeah. So in seeking the Holy Spirit, Let's look at what the early church did in Acts chapter 2, verse 1. Something very profound happens in the attitude of these guys as they're seeking him. I think you and me are going to be able to identify with this. Take a look with me at verse 1 of chapter 2. It says, On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. They were doing this because of what Jesus told them in Acts chapter 1. Notice a couple of things here, though. First off is this, on the day of Pentecost. That might not mean a lot to you, but here's what it literally meant. It meant that it was one of the three largest festivals that the Jewish people celebrated. They were in Jerusalem, the place where the festival had its focal point. The streets were jam-packed full of people from multiple nations. They spoke all kinds of different languages. Walking the streets, food vendors are out. You know, picture the carnival, but it's taken over every street of Carney. And, you know, you've got the sound of people in the streets. You've got music being played. There's commotion. There is a lot of distraction going on. And during the moment, at a heightened period, where the most distraction is going on, what does Jesus tell them to do? Wait, or seek me with tenacity. Isn't that like the world we live in? We live in basically uh, a year-long festival when it comes to the occupation of our time. We have many distractions. They're all around us. It just seems like as the years go by, there's shorter and shorter time to get all the things done that we feel like we need to get done. That's where the Christ followers were back in his day. In a, in a moment of massive distraction, and it's in that moment that Jesus tells them, I want you to seek me right now. You know why? If you can seek me through this, you can seek me through anything. If you can seek me through all the noise and the distraction on the streets and keep your attention on me, you can seek me anytime. So there's no excuse for us. We can't come to the point and say, wow, well, our schedules are just more busy. Our life looks different than these guys. No, God said to them at a very similar moment to what our normal day looks like, he says to them, you seek me during this time. Here's another thing that, that happens in this passage. It says that they were meeting together. 
or meaning that they were in unity. They were in a place where they had, they were expecting something to happen. They weren't out on the streets walking around. There was something in their hearts. They were all meeting together. There was this expectation in their heart of unity going, Jesus promised that we would encounter the Holy Spirit. And we're believing that that would take place. So what can we really learn about seeking the Holy Spirit in our lives for today based on the early church? Number one, we would have to quiet the distractions. We have to quiet the noise of our life. Or we miss encounters with the Holy Spirit. We have to quiet the moments. It's a very intentional thing. It's a very patient thing. If you're anything like me, I come into this auditorium to pray virtually daily. And when I'm in here, I find that I have to fight through some things. I first have to fight through all the things that I see that are wrong, that I don't like. It doesn't mean that they're bad. It just means that I look around and I see things I don't like. And my mind goes to the things I don't like. My mind goes to the things that I see that are wrong. And I'm very nitpicky with that. You know, I look and I see a a Kleenex box and it's in the wrong spot. And sometimes I literally just to like get beyond the moment, I have to go over and kick it and adjust it and put it where it goes just so I can focus. I hope, are you guys like me at all in that manner? Some of you probably more than others. We have to get beyond the soul. We have to be like the early church. These guys got beyond their soul. They got beyond their mind and their will and their emotions, the commotion in the street. They got beyond the emails that were piling up in the computer. They got beyond the cell phone that was ringing. They got beyond the details. And they got to a point where spirit connected with spirit. To do that, they quieted all the noises and the distractions. And they literally took a festival that I'm sure they wanted to be down in the streets, partying it up with their friends. And they shut it down and they said, let's meet together because I've got something inside of my spirit that says there's a Holy Spirit encounter that's coming. I don't even know what it looks like, but Jesus promised it and I want to meet with God. They had to quiet everything. They had to focus all of their attention. But lastly, the thing that they really taught us was this meeting together. They were expecting I don't mean this in a derogatory or mean way, but I just know for myself, there's many days that go by that I get to the end of the day and I go, wow, man, I just lived lived a life for me. I just did Jeff Baker's agenda. I don't know that I woke up in the morning with this heart expecting to encounter God today. I just got up to go through my motions. And the, the habit of that is so easy to get into and then one day turns into a week and then a week turns into a month and then before you know it, six months and And for all of us, it's not just about attending church on Sunday. That's too irregular. That's not what we're talking about today. Oh, the Sunday helps to refocus, but it's too irregular for encounters with the Holy Spirit. God's encounters that he's looking for happen Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. God's looking to encounter you today, but he's also looking to encounter you tomorrow. We have to wake up with this expectation in our heart that is going, I don't know how you're going to do this, but I want to be a part of you encountering me. So... You might say today, I don't think I've ever encountered the Holy Spirit, Jeff. What would it really look like? Help me understand this a little bit more. What would it look like to encounter the Holy Spirit? And let me just jump in by saying this. It would look a lot like you being filled. You being filled. Jesus told his disciples early on in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, that you will receive power. You'll be filled with power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And then when the Holy Spirit did come on the believers... In the early church, in Acts chapter 2, this is what it looked like when that power of the Holy Spirit filled them. Acts chapter 2, verses 2 through 4. It says, suddenly, 
there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared on, the, on them and settled on each of them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. Notice first, the first thing that is filled, notice the first thing that's filled, the house is filled. Something significant about that. In encountering the Holy Spirit many times, I'm just going to tell you this, it is something where your spirit connects with God's spirit, but the Holy Spirit doesn't stop there. It's very much a holistic thing. You, you sense, these believers sense, they knew, even on the outside of them, I'm encountering the Holy Spirit. I'm encountering the presence of God. At that moment, they had no idea what they were encountering other than the fact that Jesus told them to go seek. We know today we encounter the Holy Spirit. There's a filling of the house. Something happens, this dynamic that overwhelms you. The second thing that's filled is this, though. Everyone present was filled. Filled on the inside. Filled with the Holy Spirit. How did they know that they were filled with the Holy Spirit? In this case, they knew they were filled with the Holy Spirit because of what began to happen. They began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them the ability. There was something about the speaking in tongues that told the early church, the believers, this power of the Holy Spirit, you just encountered him. How do you know you encountered him? Bam! When they were filled, they began to speak in other languages. Now, that would be an amazing story just by itself. And you would just go, wow, that blows my mind away. It does. That would be an amazing story if it only happened once. But that's not what happened. In fact, this pattern began to take place a, a number of times in Scripture. The next time that it began to happen was in Acts chapter 10 with this man called Cornelius that had this understanding from the Holy Spirit, I need to invite Peter to come. Peter gets the message and goes, okay, I need to come. And on the way, he gets this vision from God, an encounter of the Holy Spirit. And when Peter gets to Cornelius' house, he realizes why he's there. The Holy Spirit makes it clear to him. He's encountered again, and he begins to teach and preach about who Jesus was. And Cornelius begins to hear this message, and those that are with Cornelius hear this message of Jesus being preached. And their lives are just being stirred, and there's this passion happening on the inside of them. And while Peter was preaching to them, when they came to believe in Christ, look what took place in Acts chapter 10. Even as Peter was saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell upon all, Cornelius and all of his friends, all that were listening to the message. The Jew, the Jewish believers who came with Peter were amazed that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out, poured out on the Gentiles too. For they heard them speaking in tongues and they praised God. Poured out. This it's like it's this outward thing. They began to notice the Holy Spirit is at work. And the early church, they said, hold on, we've seen this before. We've noticed that the, when the Holy Spirit's poured out, look what just happened. They knew that something took place inside of these other believers because they began to speak in tongues. Now, that's not the last time it happens. It goes on again. And Paul, he shows up in, in Ephesus in Acts chapter 19, and he finds these believers and he runs into them and he says to them, guys, you know, how do you believe? And they go, man, we've been baptized. Oh, yeah, you've been baptized? Wow, that's awesome. You know, what, tell me about Jesus. They go, we don't know about Jesus. We were baptized in, under John the Baptist ministry. All right, so you were baptized under John the Baptist ministry. So Paul says, well, let me tell you about Jesus. 
the one who John the Baptist came to talk about. And as he talks to them about Jesus, he says to them, would you like to be baptized? And they were like, absolutely, I want to be baptized in the name of Jesus. And so in Acts chapter 19, as Paul meets with them, he says, as soon as they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then when Paul laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them and they spoke in other tongues and they prophesied. There were about 12 in all. You look at these things. You see that the Holy Spirit he came on them. Again, this outward thing that happens that they just go, I know something's happening. But how did they know that they were being filled with the Holy Spirit? They knew it because they began to speak in other tongues. I'm just going to simply say to you this today. If you haven't experienced this encounter with the Holy Spirit, I want to encourage you, seek Him and ask Him. I remember when this moment happened in my life. In fact, in my good, my good King James Bible that sits in my office is this old paper that I want to be very careful with because on this paper, there was a man that was standing next to me that I was at church with that day. And when the pastor preached a similar message to this, and I was in worship, like you will be in just a moment, I began to seek God and I said, God, if this infilling or this gift of the Holy Spirit, this encounter of the Holy Spirit, if it's for me, then God, here I am. And I just made myself available like I'm encouraging you to do today. And when that happened, the Holy Spirit came upon me. And something happened on the inside of me as if I was being filled up on the inside until I couldn't contain it any longer. And I found myself speaking in tongues as well. And I'm thankful to God today that I pray in tongues daily. Yeah, that's me, Jeff Baker. The guy who tries to be the one that just connects with his community and plays ice hockey and, you know, imperfect man. But I'm in this auditorium, I'm praying in tongues because there's moments when I just don't know what to pray. And there's moments when I just want to know God's heart. And I just want to be obedient to God. And it's an act of surrender for me. And this document right here that stays with me for the rest of my life, as long as that Bible's with me, helps me to remember that on this day, which, by the way, you might be amazed to know this, it was after the 8 a.m. service. Yeah. That was on there. I forgot that that was on there until I read it earlier this morning. And it reminds me that on that day, that faithful man who stood next to me, he wrote that down on a paper and he said, Jeff, put this in your Bible and you keep it. I want you to remember the day that the Holy Spirit came upon you and you were filled with the Holy Spirit and you began to speak in tongues. Because it's not just a one-time moment. It's something that God wants to use to transform your life on a regular basis. Let me illustrate it by just doing this for you today. If this cup represents your life and this picture represents the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit literally, in your act of obedience and in your surrender to Christ, is filling you up. And some of you, you just feel so close to God like you've never been before. But today when you hear this message, you're going, I I don't think I've ever experienced this though, Jeff. I haven't had this encounter with the Holy Spirit. But I'll tell you what, just like that cup is full, that's how I feel with God right now. I don't feel like I've ever been any closer to Him. Praise God. That's awesome. That's amazing. I'm excited for you. But just know this, that's not where it ends. The power and the infilling of the Holy Spirit is not just for what God wants to do in you. It's for what God wants to do through you. And God wants to take you to a point where it's no longer just something you keep on the inside, but it's something that overflows you. Baptizing you in the Holy Spirit, which literally means to immerse. He wants to keep pouring out Himself in you 
So not just what he does in you, but what it's doing outside of you. The power of the Holy Spirit flowing out of your life. And he wants us to keep doing that over and over and over again until you and me have no more life left. That is what it means to wait and to seek and to be intentional and to pursue and to have a tenacity where you hunger after God and you expect him to move in your life daily so that he overflows your life and he does something that's beyond what you and me can do. So why encounter the Holy Spirit? Why? Romans chapter 5, verse 5, gives us a great indication of why you and me should live lives just as that example was. It says, for, for we, we know how dearly God loves us. How do we know how dearly God loves us? Because he's given us the Holy Spirit. Bingo, that's number one. But to do what? To fill our hearts with his love. Why does God want to fill you with the Holy Spirit? Because he wants to fill your life with his love. So why? Why encounter the Holy Spirit? So that God's love can encounter others. There's a boldness that comes. That's what Jesus preached in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. He says, you will receive power to be my witness. There's a boldness. It's all about souls. Remember, it's all about what God wants to do through you. God wants to reach more people through you. And the power of the Holy Spirit makes you connected, makes you more closely connected with God. God puts inside of your heart a passion that burns for souls like maybe you've never experienced before. It's about souls. But with that, God also, through the power of His Holy Spirit, wants to strengthen you to live for Christ. Look at what Romans 8, chapter 5 says. It says this, Those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things, but those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit, think about things that please the Spirit. He wants to strengthen you to think about things that please the Spirit. It's a selfish living versus a Spirit-filled living. You might be full, but He wants to take you from selfish. Full for who? Full for you? Or full for what He wants to do through you? God wants to bring you and me to a point where the Holy Spirit helps us to please the things of the Spirit. What pleases the things of the Spirit? Obedient living before God. That pleases the things of the Spirit. Obedient living before God. The second thing that pleases the Spirit is when we're actively engaged at reaching the lost. That's what the Holy Spirit brings. Brings a greater tenacity and intentional aspect to our lives of wanting to please the things of God, wanting to live our lives bent around the principles of the kingdom and to live our lives seeking that which is lost. You and me belong to a a church here that New Life is part of the Assemblies of God. The Assemblies of God in April of 2014 is going to celebrate an existence of 100 years. We were birthed out of an Azusa Street revival that happened in Los Angeles that started in 1904. Ten years later, in 1914, the Assemblies of God was launched. We were launched with the attitude because the power of the Holy Spirit had fallen upon believers at Azusa Street in Los Angeles that these believers said, do you know what? We need to reach the world. We need to take Acts chapter 1 verse 8 and we need to take the gospel to the ends of the earth. And so they moved. They moved out to the middle of of, of the United States. They moved into, you know, this place in Arkansas that now is in um, uh, Springfield. They, They moved, Springfield, Missouri. They moved there to go, let's go from here to the ends of the earth. Now, 100 years later, we have 3.1 million attenders of our churches across the United States. Now, that's not that impressive. We have 65 million people that attend an Assemblies of God church around the world. 
100 years later. I'm not, trying to, I'm not saying that we are better than anyone. That's not what I'm saying today. What, the point that I'm trying to make is this. That's some pretty rapid growth in 100 years. How did that growth happen? Because many times we were the church that was considered the church on the other side of the tracks. We were the church that sat on the other side of the tracks in the poor part of town that nobody wanted to go to. We haven't always been the church, the larger church in the community that has a predominant presence, that has ability to influence. That's not who we've been. And that's not even who we are even overseas. Oh, we've got large churches, but the predominant church of the Assemblies of God is less than 100 people. I want to ask you the question logistically, how in the world did we reach 65 million people in 100 years? I would suggest to you it's by the power of the Holy Spirit. The power of the Holy Spirit at work in believers, burning inside of them with a passion to live for the kingdom principles and burning for a passion to see souls saved. And that's how we're going to live. And that's how we're going to grow into the future. Things don't change. We don't become professional in our faith. We have to come back to what the early church existed for. And they existed for reaching souls and living a life that honored God. And what does God do? God turns it around and he says, why should you encounter the Holy Spirit? Because of what my love wants to do inside of you. God wants to encounter you in very practical ways. He wants to help you avoid sin. He wants to help you parent more, more godly. God wants to help you make wiser business decisions. If you'll listen to his Holy Spirit, I'm telling you, he wants to show up in your office place on a daily basis, meet with you as you're overlooking that Excel spreadsheet and teach you literally how to save your company more money. He wants to show you those kinds of things. He wants to show you how to invest that money more wisely. So if you're a businessman here, you need the power of the Holy Spirit. Or otherwise, what are you going to do? You're going to gauge things off of the insecurity of the S&P 500? You're going to engage things off the insecurity and the inconsistency of what weather is going to do? You're going to miss it. You're going to, get, you're, going to make, you're going to make bad decisions left and right. You need the encounters of the Holy Spirit to help you, to seek truth in God's Word so that you can see what God's Word is really trying to say, so that you can pray with greater faith, so that you, not me, so that you, you could go lay hands on your sick child and pray for them and encounter the Holy Spirit and watch God heal. So that you could be out there sharing a word of wisdom with someone at a moment when you're sitting at across the table from them and they're sharing their life with you. And on the inside of you, you encounter the Holy Spirit. You know on the inside, I've got a word i got to share with you. And you share it. And it brings life so that you can intuitively know God's voice more clearly than you ever have before. The Holy Spirit wants to help you encounter Him so that you know God's ways and so that you can make God known. It all starts with the first thing I told you. A hunger to seek and encounter the Holy Spirit today. And I just want to encourage you. As we come into worship today, I want you to come into worship today with an attitude that just goes, I, God, if you're there, I want to encounter you. I've never encountered you in this way, but God, if this is your plan, then I lift, I lift my hands up to you and I lay my life before you and I go, God, encounter me with your Holy Spirit. And God's got all kinds of things that he wants to do. For some of you, it's still filling up the cup. I got it. For some of you, you're so full, he's wanting to overflow. You Don't forget how you got full. You got full out of simple surrender to God. God's just looking for surrender to him, to keep taking you down the road. But if you're sitting here today and you're wrestling with today's message, and you're going, man, Jeff, you, I've loved you up to this point, and then today you come out of left field and you, you just, man. This is a hard one for me, Jeff. I know that. I would suggest to you this very same thing that Paul wrote to the, the Philippians. 
He said this in chapter 3, verse 15. He says, let all who are spiritually mature agree on these things. If you disagree on some point, I believe God will make it plain to you. I believe that if you're here today and you disagree with what I'm saying, that, my friends, is perfectly okay. But if, you're, if you would claim to be somewhat spiritually mature, then I would suggest to you, seek God. Because God can make things plain to you. He can take veils off of eyes and He can help you see Him more clearly. He can take what seems to be confusing and make it straight. He can take what seems to be so far away from you and He can bring it close to you. But it's going to all go back to my very first point. You're going to have to be, if you say you're spiritually mature, you're going to have to be one that goes, okay, God, let me seek you. God, would you make this plain to me? But just know this, it's okay to disagree with me. That doesn't offend me. But what does offend me is to, for you to say, you're my pastor. But then for you to go, I'm stubborn and I'm not going to seek. I want you to be people that seek God. Don't believe something today just because I preached it. Go back to God's word. Seek him. And let him make himself plain to you. And then if we still disagree, it's okay. It's in God's hands. It's in God's hands today. But that means we're all at the same place today. Whether you disagree with me or you're fully on board with me, we're all back to point one. We've got to come and seek God like the early church did by waiting on him and saying to him, I'm going to intentionally pursue you. I'm going to be patient to wait on you. And I'm going to pursue you with a tenacity today. I'm telling you today, the Holy Spirit is not done filling people. The Holy Spirit's not done encountering believers because there's still room in God's house for people to be brought into the kingdom. And there's still a lot of work that God wants to do in your life and what he wants to do in Jeff Baker's life. Why don't you stand with me today and let's pray. God, we come before you. We're thankful that you sent your son Jesus to give his life on a cross and for him to give us the instructions that were needed for the early church to take off. But Lord, these are the instructions that you're still pouring out upon us today. Even in your word, you said that this promise was for those believers, for the children of those believers, and for all believers to come. That's what your word says. We know that your Holy Spirit, Lord, is here because you said it was better that you leave, that the Holy Spirit would come. You want to encounter us. But Lord, there's an expectation that's required in our hearts. A hunger in our hearts that would pursue you with everything inside of us. That would run after you with a tenacity. But yet would come and wait patiently knowing this is where you called us to. You're going to meet us here. Not like some secret treasure hunter. Puts out a map and we go to point A. Oh, that's not where it is. Oh, we go to point B. That's not where it is. No, God, you say seek me with all of your heart and you find me. You don't play games with us. Lord, you're wanting to encounter us today. Come unexpectedly in a way that surprises us at times. And come face to face with us. You're wanting to, you're wanting to do that to transform our lives. So Lord, we stand before you today. We invite you. Come, Lord, encounter. Have your encounter with us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Church. Just like I did all those years ago in an 8 a.m. service. An hour before we're together now.
I stood at a place just like you were and I said, if this encounter of the Holy Spirit is for me and for today, then here I am. God showed up in my life and did something radical. I've been praying for you all week long that those who are hungry and those who thirst would come to Christ today and you would find an encounter of the Holy Spirit that would radically transform your life forever. Let's seek Him today.